Hello and welcome to Yes Indeed Pod, a podcast about indie tabletop role-playing games where I interview creators about their games and inspirations and about the theory, process and practice of game design. My name is Mark Shepard, your host today and always, and your friendly local indie enthusiast. This week I just wanted to read two five-star reviews that I found on Podchaser. Firstly, Scott Paladin says, A fantastic breakdown into indie RPGs. Every episode features a great guest and a lovely little dive into less well-known RPGs. Secondly, Matt Boothman says, Every episode leaves me with more games slash game designers to get excited about, and new ways to think about games and game design. Great choice of guests and always informative. People, thank you so much for your continuing support, and if you want to get a mention, all you have to do is make me smile. It's very easy. Tell your friends and drop me into the conversation, or leave a rating or review. Your support means the world to me. This week I'm talking to Sahony, a queer Bimpot game designer whose game Exceptionals is a clever and innovative superhero game that's a tribute to the community and activism aspects of X-Men and indigenous upbringing. I love the sound of this game and I think you will too, so I'm stoked to share this interview with you. Now that's out of my head and into yours, let's talk indie. So today we're talking to Sahony. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Hi, hello. I'm Sahoni. I also go by Gar Atkins, but uh, most folk call me Sahoni, and you can too. <laughs> Would you like to take a, a minute to introduce yourself and let us know what you do in the indie tabletop role-playing game scene? I am a queer indigenous game designer and writer, and I am making very narrative-first games specifically for BIMPOC audiences. Brilliant. I think the game that you are working on most at the moment is Exceptionals. Yes. Would you like to give us a little bit of an elevator pitch as to what that is and um, what it's about? Uh, Exceptionals is a game, it's a superhero game largely inspired by X-Men and is about the communities and spaces that marginalized people make for themselves. The little tagline that I have on the front of the cover is a game about community activism and kinetic I-beams. And that is very much the order of importance I put on the thing, uh, at least internally, while I was writing this. Because it is a superhero game at the end of the day, but I I very much wanted it to be a very different type of superhero game. And a game that uses superheroes and uh, specifically X-Men's mutant metaphor to explore ideas of uh, marginalization and community, but without being pain tourism. Right, yeah. Because I, I, I feel like that the, uh, so often that's just like what ends up happening with these sorts of games is that they tend to be kind of, they're performative art for outsiders instead of art yes. that is made to be something that you can engage with these ideas in on your own terms and in a way that you want to. Yeah. And I think that's that's been like so important to me is making a space of comfort where people can tell these stories and punch back on their own terms because that that's so much of what makes uh, comic books, especially X-Men, a uh, series that was uh, made in response to the civil rights movement to kind of embody these ideals. I mean, let's start there. You know, I'm not massively familiar with X-Men, but it is probably the part of superheroes that I'm the most familiar with. I have quite a lot of interest in that, actually. I used to watch the cartoons when I was younger. I quite enjoy the movie franchise. Yeah. (laughs) I have opinions, TM, on the movie franchise as a comic fan. I, I, yeah, I've heard such things before. Yeah, I think that, I think that's to be expected when you just, like, you invest that much time into a thing. Yeah. And then you see it, but it was, it was a big, it was a big deal, and 
I think like the the cartoon is a big uh, touch point for a lot of people. My first action figure that I remember ever having is of Rogue. Oh, that action figure is cool. Yeah, I remember seeing it. I want you to know, like, how deep and how much of a place of love this comes from, especially since I'm, like, critical about some of the stuff that I, uh, that X-Men has done over the years. Yeah. And how it handles, uh, the mutant metaphor and marginalized identity. Yeah. But I, I wanted to start from X-Men because I think... The mutant metaphor has a lot of uses. It's a thing that a lot of people can understand, even if they are coming from different starting points. Yeah. I think, I also think it's like, again, it's a huge cultural touch point for a lot of people. It is, yeah. A lot of kids, especially like people of color. The X-Men cartoon for a lot of people my age was a big deal. And, you know, we grew up with these characters and we understand them. We relate to them, even if we might have issues with some of the comics and how they uh, have been written. It's something that you don't need a lot of familiarity with the source material to understand either. No. You very much don't have to for my game because it is not X-Men with the serial numbers filed off. It is its own thing and its own lore. But I'm a huge X-Men fan. I I read so many comics in preparation for this and I wanted to make a comic book game that captured the things about comic books that I thought were interesting or that I thought uh, needed to be talked about more. Because like so often when you get to a comic book game, it's very much about the power fantasy and not the things that make comic book characters actually interesting. Yeah. uh, Which is a lot of these very human elements. Yeah, yeah. You come in there to see the Superman, but you relate to Clark Kent because he is a person with enormous morals that he has to wrestle with. I feel like Spider-Man kind of follows that same mood. Absolutely. Great uh, with great power comes great responsibility and that that is very much kind of a mindset for a lot of like community activism and a lot of the stuff that actually drove superheroes to be a thing at all with great power comes great responsibility is also a like a reason why peter parker was a counter culture uh, a symbol in the 60s for a lot of people right yeah and i very much kind of want to recapture that uh in a way i think that when you have a superhero game it's often a very collectible hollow trading card version of them. Yeah. With like points on the back that tells you your their stats and everything. Yeah, yeah. The power scale of comics as a medium is wildly out of balance, but people are still useful and important. Yeah. Jimmy Olsen still has things to do and things that he brings to the table in a, a Superman story. Yeah. And I wanted something to kind of capture that, so I wanted to do something very kind of narrative forward because, again, it's a game about community and everyone should feel like they are able to contribute and uh, be important. So I, I, I made this kind of narrative tag system where everyone makes these characters that are very open-ended. You basically choose a series of playbooks that are split into two. You have mutation protocols, which are basically your powers and abilities and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And then you have the persona protocols, which is how you or others define you in a group. Yeah, okay. Uh, You pick out some questions from these, and these are open-ended questions. These are basically prompts. 
and you use these things and that's the bulk of your character there. That's really interesting that that what you've done is to define a character in terms of how they interact with the group around them rather than as an individual. That's um, Absolutely. I feel like it's something that is not done enough in role-playing games, yeah. I feel like I, I wanted to keep that going on a meta level because one of the things that I keep getting compliments on when people see the game is they really like the idea of the players are a creative team. The players are writers. I refer to them as writers, and uh, the the GM equivalent here is uh, an editor. Right. They are not there to force a story to go in a certain way. It's rather to facilitate the best story possible being told and uh, keeping it consistent and all of that. And, I, you know, it, it goes even farther. Like, I divorced combat from experience. When you think about Western comics, there's very rarely, like, a power arc. And when there is, it is something that's... It's a power creep of decades. Yeah, yeah. There might be story arcs of someone learning something or growing, but how comics are defined and how they change is very much one of status quo. Yeah. This is a people and their relationships change, their relationships to themselves, their bodies, their surroundings, other people. Or, like, on a meta level, like, the writers change, the editors change, it. new series stop and start and end, or shift focuses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I wanted something that captured that too. I also have like a community building thing and I thought that was important. Yeah. Well, let's hear about that. This one kind of has like a very open-ended nature in the same way that creating characters does. This is where you're interacting with that community that I was talking about. I wanted to make a safe space without calling it that in so many words because often it's very irony poisoned. Yes, yes. And I feel like people don't always understand the community uh, function of a safe space. It is a thing that actually serves a function. It is not a cool clubhouse. It is a space where people are allowed to be themselves and talk about things that affect them Yeah. without concern or judgment of facing, uh, I guess, punishment or consequences. You see quite a lot of people who sort of make fun of the idea of a safe space, but it's, a, it's something that comes from a position of privilege, you know, not having to have safe spaces like that is something that... It's where your examples are the default and uh, anything else is bucking up against that. Right. But I wanted to make a base, and you can make it any sort of space you want it to be. If you want it to be a cool living spaceship, cool. If you want to make it a uh, private school for uh, gifted children, TM, it it can be. But it, it, it could also be like a coffee shop. That in your neighborhood or a, a community center, and I want it yeah. or a bar. It I very much wanted it to be a place where you interact with and cross pl- uh, uh, paths with your community, and you know you're building resources uh, out of that. Like this is honestly the only real way to bu- uh, to gain power in this system is uh, by building up this community, uh, and, and it's. Uh, its safety tools, its resources, and, and like, the things that, like, make you want to be there as a space, you go there for a reason and not just because you have to. Yeah. You build up, uh, you build up contacts, and there's, uh, there's a whole contact thing, and building up your bonds with other people. Yeah. It, it goes down to a foundational level of even your health. 
there is, uh, you take stress and there's physical, mental, and emotional stress that you might take in the course of your cool superhero adventures TM. But like how you recover from those uh, things is, is you, you rely on other people around you. Yeah. You go to get medical help or, uh, or you talk to someone or you just hang out and de-stress. Community is such like a foundational part of this thing. And I, 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 I don't mean community in the way that uh, a lot of people do, which is, you know, just people that you like. Community is weird and complicated, and it may not involve people you even know or like. Yes, yeah. It is a complex ecosystem uh, that may not, it, it, that includes uh, those around you and your environment. This is kind of like where I'm relying on uh, my indigenous background because this is something I very much like grew up talking about and thinking about and learning about is uh, these relationships around us. Right. And I, I, I guess I guess like it, it was important for me to show that through gameplay. I think that's really interesting. And, um, you know, it, it's a good example of how to build a, a game that is specifically designed for marginalized people and people of color. Um, and I think that's really interesting and something that definitely the scene needs and um, role-playing games needs in general so you know kudos that you're that you're working towards that oh absolutely i i absolutely uh wanted to lean into that because like i know i i've been playing games since middle school and boy have i felt like man why aren't there games like appealing to my, uh, the fantasies and and pop culture touchstones of like my own community and what we think about Right, yeah. I was speaking to somebody on the podcast last week mm -hmm. who is a late middle-aged white cis het man mm -hmm. who says, you know, I have never been underrepresented in role-playing games and I feel like that's not right. There is a continuing backlash against this now and it's coming from every part of the indie scene, even if it's not necessarily being seen more in the mainstream. It's definitely there, you know, you see it on... TTRPG Twitter every day, people saying, why aren't the games about people like me? Yeah. You know, it's very reassuring to see that there are plenty of creators out there who are then trying to build games for themselves. Yeah. For the communities that they're part of. Maybe an excellent example from a slightly different group is uh, the new game Thirsty Sword Lesbians, uh, which is making big waves at the moment. And that seems to be a game by and for queer people. And that's fantastic as well. So, you know, it's part of this movement away from generic western white person fantasy to a huge diversity of voices and opinions and yeah that's a very healthy thing to see sure i think like that's super important but i also think like part of that is going to be and has to be appealing to the pop culture touchstones and and fantasies that these marginalized communities love themselves. Right. I think like X-Men means a lot to a lot of BIMPOC audiences because that is a space where we got to see ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I think like Power Rangers is a big deal for a lot of people for the same reason. Yeah. I think like fighting games are a huge touchstone for a lot of communities because that's the stuff we, uh, we would hang out around and talk shit around. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to see more games that like touch on these things and yeah. i also want to see more games that aren't necessarily about the the pain of this experience necessarily yeah yeah i think like a huge part of my game or at least like an effort for me and i don't think i 
fulfilled this personally like as much as I could have I feel like I could have leaned more in, a, into this and I think like future games that's a lesson that I'm gonna take with me is I want to show the joy I want to show the happiness because yeah. like our experiences aren't just defined by the pain like it's something that's there it's always in the background it's always something that's going to define how we interact with the world but it's not the be-all end-all of our uh, existences yeah of course yeah I think it's really important to highlight that joy you know yeah because otherwise people people don't see it and like you're gonna get the same kind of pain stereotype perpetuated further and it is really important to do that and i guess that's a way of sharing culture as well with other Mm -hmm. cultures i mean that's that's really important as well so i think all the things you're talking about sound fantastic (laughs) (laughs) well it's something i i'm i'm hoping like it shows not only in the writing but uh in the gameplay i know that like i very much pushed for you to try to make a community while you play yeah and be considerate of and start thinking about what it means i have a whole rule about consent in my game and not just like if you are making a role that affects another character you have to ask that other player's character is this something that your character would like right yeah yeah. And how would that affect them? Because uh, also, not to lie, that is, it's also part of uh, the soap opera of the thing, because X-Men is very much called comics' greatest soap opera for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has an ensemble cast, I mean. Absolutely. It's really interesting to put it that way. I mean, 100% correct. Yeah, it is. I've definitely gotten in trouble on other podcasts by calling X-Men a shoujo series. <laughs> also, yeah, I think I maybe agree <laughs> with that, yeah. <laughs> like 80s era Claremontian X-Men for sure. I know I very much think this as someone who absolutely loves New Mutants, which was a team that kind of started in the 80s when they were like, hey, all these characters aren't teens anymore. Let's make some new teens. And I think like X-Men also is very unique within Western hero comic spaces because outside of stuff that's independently owned and written it had a architect it had like one guy in charge of the universe for a good 30 plus years and that's something that like doesn't happen in comics Uh (laughs) yeah it really allows that to have that kind of depth in soap opera and uh history and emotion behind it i mean i feel like x-men particularly lends itself well to ttrpgs because oh, it's not about individuals that's a really powerful thing in itself i mean like i think that speaks mm-hmm. volumes about mm-hmm. the way that it was written and the way that it was conceived that it's not about one person being yeah. head and shoulders better than everybody else it's about a collective and it's about dealing with bad actors in that collective as well and that's yeah. really interesting and in and, and community action and what community even looks like there's a million themes that you can go on and talk about within X-Men and the mutant metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It applies to queerness. It applies to racism. It applies to disability. I think it does fail sometimes. It does not make these identities intersectional and instead tries to have the the fact that someone is a mutant supersede other aspects of their identity and personality. Yeah. And I think that's something that like really fails a lot of uh, people of color, both as an audience and uh, characters in the story. And that's something I really wanted to address in this game, too. Yeah. You are all of these things, but you are also a mutant. I mean, it sounds really cool. And I'm very down with like, all of the themes that you're talking about. And I mm-hmm. think it just sounds brilliant. Uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to 
go out there and pick it up when it's ready, which I guess is probably not quite yet. No, no, I'm about 50 pages deep uh, in doing layout and I have, uh, I it's, it's looking to be like a 200 plus page book that I had to uh, write and edit geez. and design by myself. And then oh, I got to wow. figure out art. So, uh, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I went into this project saying, I'm going to learn everything I can about making games. And I guess that turned out to, uh, be not only a thing of I'm broke. And so I got to do it myself, but also I just told a giant, giant learning experience. I'm going to do all the jobs. <laughs> I've been at it for about a year and a half so far. I, I, yeah okay yeah it's a big project i mean yeah. there's a lot of one person bands in ttrpgs at the moment which are it's cool you know it's very punk it's a punk feel and i like it i like to go on itch.io and see what people are doing you know and like mm-hmm. knowing that they can do a lot of stuff themselves you know or yeah. when they reach out to the community and get stuff back from that as well so yeah it's really yeah. cool i'm learning a lot and a lot of people and i've i've gotten help from a lot of people with the stuff i'm very unfamiliar with which is good yeah it, it is. makes me feel validated making a game about community when i have a community that comes out to help me yeah there's a really good community feel uh in some spaces at the moment it's really rewarding to get something back from it but it's also rewarding to be able to put in time and effort and and love into that scene so absolutely i'm so glad (laughs) to hear that you know there are people who who are doing this I think one of the things that you touched on there that I am interested in is uh, is about community action and about activism. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak to your experience of that in TTRPGs and how that affects or how that is affected by your own experience of activism? Sure, sure. I made the decision to start making games because of a game that failed me. I don't know if you're familiar with Werewolf the Apocalypse. <sighs> well, okay. I mean, um, <laughs> like full disclosure... <laughs> Werewolf and other Onyx Path and, you know, just that that sort of whole Mm -hmm. set of games. I have never played any of them. I only know of them through reputation. And I know enough that I would never actually want to play any of these games. Like, Werewolf the Apocalypse uh, held a special place for me growing up because it was, like, the first piece of media I actually felt like I saw myself represented in. Right. Because it very much kind of had Indigenous people talking about Indigenous issues and and not only saying that these things existed and talking about in the ways that we did sometimes, but it said that they mattered and they I had the right to be angry about them. And they were using words and figures from my culture, from my language, to talk about these things. And I was willing to overlook a lot of other things just to kind of feel included. And whether it's uh, failures of representation or cultural appropriation or a bunch of these other things, and it kept building up over the years and eventually got to a point that I said, I'm tired of waiting for someone else to fix this for me. I'm going to do this myself because I want there to be something better for other people like me yeah even if they end up feeling the same way about my game later i am pushing this to be a better space and i feel like it was a push to get off my own ass and do something about it and i'm no stranger to activism Uh, it's practically a requirement you uh when you're born native you get a jean jacket and you become a part of a committee or some sort of community activism that's just what happens (laughs) (laughs) you know growing up in the bible wealth the deep south as a queer biracial person you either hide or you get active and i got active and i wanted to kind of like 
push that and push kind of the people that I saw in these spaces and the conversations that I saw, the activism I saw and what activism actually means and the history of this. And I wanted to give kind of this identity a history that they can touch on, that they can pull on. I wanted to give them figures and people that they can talk about or push up against or kind of go, you know what, I, I understand this. Yeah, yeah. I tried to put that everywhere I could put fluff from suggested tags to every protocol, every like little block that you use for making character has two confessionals, which are from two people in the universes of, uh, of this world. I tried to put it in kind of in-universe fictions. Yeah, yeah. I put it in suggested villains. <laughs> <laughs> excellent yeah yeah like i i have a history in these spaces i have a history of doing things uh i'm on a mostly weekly political comedy podcast where we talk about the news i am nothing if not active i guess (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely well you know everybody needs needs that outlet i think and it's uh it's really important to to do that work and then to to bring it to other spaces as well because i think there are people out there who don't who don't see activism or you know who don't uh who don't engage with it as much and it's important to to show them that it's it can be a wholesome experience as well as a difficult one so yeah absolutely or kind of like the struggle of what that actually means and uh, again like i wanted to show this isn't just pain tourism either like there there's a reason why people fight for these things there is and it's because getting more towards it i suppose is fulfilling and it's self-beneficial oh gosh i know i keep repeating this but i want uh, but i feel like it's so important to kind of uh, nail down that you engage with it on your own terms that's definitely important yeah because like at the end of the day especially if I'm making this game for uh, like marginalized people of different identities, some people don't get to walk away from that experience when they walk away from the table. Yeah, that's right. It's important that I I give them the space and room to tell their stories because that in itself, that's a defiant act, even if it's not directly kind of confrontational in that way. If you want to tell a cool coffee shop AU, I will give you the tools for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that, that's that sounds pretty much up my street. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Listen, I think this sounds like a brilliant game, one that I'm really interested in picking up and having having a look at. And yeah, if you listener out there are interested in not only stories uh, in the vein of X-Men, but also about community and about community activism and all that sort of thing, it definitely sounds like it's, it's going to be right up your street. So I totally recommend going and finding Sahoni's stuff. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sahoni underscore stuff. That's S-A-H-O-N-I underscore stuff. That is uh, once more S-A-H-O-N-I underscore stuff on Twitter. And you can not only uh, see me complain about learning to do layout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a mood. Yeah, it's it's a process, but I'm I'm getting there. <laughs> Good. You can listen to me talk about other projects uh, that I have planned. I have a very fun game about decolonization and uh, pulp adventure after this that I'm planning on doing. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. You can also catch me on my other podcast. I'm on Barking Points Memo, uh-huh. which is a semi-weekly, largely leftist political comedy podcast where we talk about the news and then we groan collectively about it and channel (laughs) dark gay energy into various memes there's a lot to to groan about you know (laughs) yeah there there is but difficult to make it funny sometimes a a little bit (laughs) 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 but somehow we find a way
if you want me on an actual play podcast, would love that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. If anyone out there is listening to an actual play podcast and wants someone really cool to come on, then obviously you are the person to speak to. Sure, let's label me cool. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely label you cool, yeah. Have you got any, anything else you want to shout out to while while you've got the, uh, the platform? I guess if you really want to follow other BIMPOC voices... uh, within the community uh i would say follow pocttrpgs very much yes please do follow pocttrpgs because yeah they are good people okay well um i guess all that remains for me to say is thank you very very much indeed for coming on the S indeed pod thank you for having me oh no problem at all Next time uh, you want to talk about one of your games, then let's have you back and we can have another chat. I would love to. Prepare to have me more in my element, uh, even more than comics, (laughs) when I tackle folklore and mythology. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this next project then. Fantastic. Cool. Well, uh, keep your eyes out for that. And yeah, follow Sahoni and I'm sure you'll you'll see that in in the near future. Thank you very much again and goodbye. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Sahoni for the interview. As always, you can find all of the links in the episode description. In two weeks, I'll be talking to Monroe, a non-binary POC, traditional artist and freelance TTRPG writer, whose game Candied Violets is a cosy little fancy riff on the Great British Bake Off. If that's enough to whet your taste buds, tune in next time to find out more. This week, my new friend John Harness asked me to promote Knucklebone Magazine, which is a new digital publication featuring tabletop role-playing game reviews and commentary. Writers and designers from across the role-playing game landscape discuss new games, spotlight lesser-known and forgotten game design trends, and give you an insight into the wider world of role-playing games. Check out Knucklebone Magazine right now at knucklebonemag.itch.io. And if you, yes you, are interested in writing for Knucklebone and getting paid for it, then pitch an essay idea to knucklebonemag at gmail.com or visit the magazine's itch.io page for more details. Once again, that's knucklebonemag.itch.io. If you enjoy Yes Indeed Pod, please rate and review the show wherever you find your podcasts, or consider donating through the Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash yesindeedpod. Of course, you can always reach out to me through Twitter at yesindeedpod. That's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D. I'd love dearly to hear from you. Lastly, music credits. All music is from BitQuest by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io. Thanks, Kevin. Until next time, remember, does Indy need you? Yes, indeed.